BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Happy Friday, Freckled Foodie family. Today we are joined by another wonderful gem that TikTok has blessed us with. Destiny Ann is a peaceful parent, but she's also real as fuck, which I appreciate. It's not like parenting is so easy. Just like go ahead and do everything with a smile. She is a very realistic and she like just wonderful human, but she also gives tactical advice. And I'm like really interested in the concept of peaceful parenting because I want to raise Liam very like consciously, if that makes sense. Like I, I'm putting a very conscious effort into our parenting style. And this is something that really interests me. She answers a lot of my questions. She explains it for anyone who is not familiar with the term. And then we dive into some like examples. Overall, I think this is a really helpful episode, whether you're a parent or not, because we reflect a lot on a topic I talk about a decent amount, but reflecting on how we were raised and how that is playing a role in how we want to raise our children or how we don't want to raise our children. And I think that we all were raised in a specific way. And it's just an interesting thing to reflect on whether you have children or not. So without further ado, here is Destiny. Come on in, take a seat, pour a drink, pass one to me. Frickle food, friends, talking about life sides and ends. Destiny, I'm so excited to have you because I feel like I have so many questions after following you on TikTok and then on Instagram. There's just so much that I'm curious about and need help explaining, but also just guidance because I'm really interested in your content. So I'm very excited to have you here. Thank you. I'm so glad we're finally having the conversation. I know that it's been a minute since we said we were going to, so I am glad that we are finally doing this. And I am not the guru. I don't have all the answers, but I hope that I have some today. (laughs) Well, you definitely seem to have some. So I want to, for people who are listening who are not familiar with you, can you introduce us just to yourself? Give us your like short version story of who you are. Absolutely. So I go by Destiny and I am a parenting coach, a positive discipline coach. That's what I like to call it. Um, I really focus on respectful parenting, peaceful, gentle parenting, but that's real and that is tangible and not just cookie cutter approach. I am very loud and rambunctious and extra and all of the things. And I'm still very respectful to my children. And so I try to bridge that gap because I feel like there was a space missing for people like me who have, you know, I always say I I don't talk like Elmo. And so peaceful parenting sometimes was hard for me. And I feel like I finally found a groove. 
um, with all of my research and all of my studying and with working with other parents. And so that is what I do. I share tips and advice for relatable parents that go through the messiness of parenting, but still, you know, want to raise our kids with as little trauma and baggage as possible. Yes. And I think that's the goal, exactly what you just said at the end. Like, it's something that really terrifies me about being a parent. And it excites me also, but it really terrifies me that, like, what I do, what I say, whether it's directly to him or indirectly, like, so much is being picked up on by his Mm. brain. And it's really molding this human's brain who will eventually go through life on his own. And like even I reflect in my therapy about things that were happened in my childhood that weren't done in any negative type of way, but they definitely impacted me in oh, not always the best of ways. Like what yeah. was your childhood like? Did that play a role that. in what you're doing? <laughs> yeah. That, definitely that. Um, my childhood, I had a lot of trauma in my childhood. Um, I was definitely the black sheep. I was the bad kid. And just very misunderstood. I had wonderful parents, wonderful parents. They were together and they both brought different dynamics, but I did not see a comprehensive approach in either of them. They were complete opposite ends. So I'm glad that I got two different approaches, but um, that meant that my parenting or excuse me, my experience as a child was very up and then down and then turbulent and then calm. And so it did create a sense of insecurity, I would say. And I do have that fear as well from that. I don't necessarily want my children to experience that. But the other side of that is that I can't control everything, you know, and things Mm -hmm. are going to happen. And so for me, one of the most important pieces in gentle parenting is playing with security and also perspective. And I have to make sure that I give my kids both because I can give them as much security as I want to. And then when they become adults and realize that there are many things that are unstable in this world and they don't have perspective and they don't have resilience, then I've still done them a disservice. And so for me, it's about attending to both. And I think that's where the grace comes in because we are going to mess up. We're going to give them moments of insecurity. Absolutely. It's never going to be perfect. And I think that's something I'm trying to continuously do is give myself grace just when it comes to parenting and gen, like the whole postpartum parenting, everything is giving myself grace and not being so hard on myself. How old are your children now? I have a nine-year-old and a four-year-old. And is this something that you implemented from the very beginning or was it kind of a trial and error thing that you decided you wanted to start focusing on at a certain point of their childhood? Yeah. So my nine-year-old, I was aware of gentle parenting because of the kind of childhood I I had, but I always say that the opposite of unhealthy isn't always healthy. (laughs) Um, And so I was like, okay, that didn't work. I'm going to be the complete opposite. And I was very permissive and just hands off and like, just be free and whatever happens. And so that was a mess. So no, I definitely (laughs) was not. And I'm so grateful for that time. Again, perspective, because we built so much connection. I just feel like me and my oldest can, we can do anything together. And so I am grateful for that. But then there came a period where she got older where I was like, wait, my needs aren't being met. I'm not being respected. When she's going through something, she doesn't see me as like her coach. It's like she's not taking me serious. And so I shifted when I started to recognize that the four-year-old, 
God bless her. Um, she is lucky that I have found all these things now. Um, and I can definitely tell a difference in the way that I'm raising her. It's a lot more intentional. I think that that is the point is before, if you're doing just the opposite of what's been done, that's got a little bit of intention in it, but it's not value-based. You don't really have an idea of what you actually want to create. And I think I'm more rooted in who I want to be as a parent now. Before it was just, I knew who I didn't want to be. (laughs) It's interesting because I've never thought about it in that way where I think about, I reflect on my childhood and there are certain things that I'm like, oh, I, I want to do that differently. And it's only recently that I've started to think about, okay, well, what are the things that I want to do similarly? Like what Mm. are the things I want to be rather than what just solely, what are the things I don't want to be? For people who are listening, who have never even heard of gentle parenting, can you try to explain it to us? And then we can dive into some more tactical pieces. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll go with gentle parenting. Um, and it's not necessarily the word that resonates most with me, but what word does because we can go respect, with respectful, okay, respectful or positive that. parenting. Okay, yeah. And the reason is because it's not always gentle. <laughs> Our kids mm-hmm. don't always like us, and so positive discipline, respectful parenting basically just is collaborative. It focuses on connection. There's emotional intelligence that we focus on. And it's not just that power over parenting that because I said so and the forcefulness and the coercion, even with bribes, you know, and punishments, respect is honoring what is and honoring the child that you have and being intentional about showing up for them in the way that is going to allow them to meet their highest potential. It's, it's about working together on the environment and it's not, there's no hierarchy. I'll put it that way. So at what age do you really start to like implement this right from the very beginning? Absolutely. 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 I I mean, I think that, respect is just, it's just a right, just you popped out and you deserve respect. And so I feel like that is something that if you can practice it when they're small, Mm -hmm. it's just like any other thing. It's a muscle that you build. So, I mean, you could wait five years from now to go to the gym or you could go today. And then five years from now, you'll probably be better at doing a push up. So I think that there are small ways to implement it when your child can't communicate and they're small, Um, And they're still so just like, oh, and you're, yes, start then, please, please start then because they're not going to be warm and fuzzy forever. I promise. (laughs) No, no, (laughs) ma'am. Yes, be terrified. (laughs) So scared. So let's work through an example. Say, and I don't have a toddler, so I can't speak from experience. So maybe honestly, it's better if you give an example, but like one that comes to mind for me is what I dealt with a ton in my childhood, I observed my little sister refusing to ever get dressed in time. Like we were Mm. constantly late for school. It was like, Lucy, get dressed. Lucy, get out of bed. Lucy, get dressed. Like it was a fight every single morning to get her dressed in the car. So say you're a parent and your kid is refusing to put on their socks or their shoes or a piece of clothing and you're rushed because you have to get somewhere at a certain time. Mm-hmm. Like now I'm throwing you in that. How are we handling this situation? So the easiest way that I can break this down would be into, and this is very loose, but 
it'll help us to have a framework for this. So when they are your child's age, I like to think that you're getting them to meet you where you are because they're new and they really, really need you. And then um, at the toddler phase, I feel like it's meeting them where they are. And as they get older, we can slowly start to meet in the middle. So at the toddler phase, in my opinion, meeting them where they are says, okay, I have values. I have needs in this moment. I can force this. I can push this. Or I can meet her where she's at. And I can try to understand what her values are in the moment and then transition and then transition through the moment. And a lot of times when we're rushing, all we can see is our needs. All we can see is stuff that matters not to a toddler. And so in those moments, I try to pause, get on their level, meet the need, and then it becomes so much easier to transition. So my toddler has this issue. She doesn't want to get out of the house. She's the same exact way. When we're getting out, when I'm trying to get out of the house, if she's not wanting to get out, it's either frustration. A lot of times it's play. So I will come over there, meet that need with her. We can play to the car. Okay. We can, mm-hmm. we're always being chased by zombies or the floor is hot lava <laughs> or I will. Okay. Let's do, I'll throw you on the bed 10 times. Okay. And then we're going to put our shoes on, but we skip past their needs. And that's why I mean by respectful parenting, it is collaborative. It's my need to get in the car is going to get met, but I can't completely disregard the fact that she needs connection right now. Or she needs play right now, or she's having big feelings right now. It can't be either or, especially when they're toddlers, because they are not collaborative at all. <laughs> they, they don't they don't have that yet. They, they're not there yet. <laughs> I, it's, it's such a good point. And honestly, it makes sense when you think about it. I just think in the moment, it's so easy. I mean, I look at myself when I'm trying to get out the door. I'm like, throwing everything together. And then of course, shit's always hitting the fan, whether like my dog's doing something or Liam quite literally shits in his diaper when we're about to get out the door. Are you fucking kidding? Um, (laughs) So it feels like everything is happening almost like against you in this way. Mm -hmm. And it's easy for me to get very frustrated. It's something that I've struggled with my whole life. I can have a short fuse. And I can get really frustrated and it's been a big fear of mine for when I eventually and now parent because I never want to have that short fuse when it comes to him. And I'm honestly surprised myself. I do feel like he's now the only person I have patience for. So I'm grateful, but I know that that's not always going to be the case. So can you walk us through how you would not change your mindset, but handle a situation where maybe you aren't respectfully parenting and you catch yourself because again, like I don't expect everyone to be able to do this a hundred percent of the time without ever messing up. Absolutely. Because I don't. And I think that I get that question all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, how do you do this in the moment? Like I forget in the moment. And for me, that's about practicing awareness before I get to that point. That's about verbalizing what's going on. And so the gentle parenting space sometimes misses the fact that everybody isn't a gentle person. And so you'll go into it like ignoring what's actually up for you. Mm-hmm. Say it. I'm getting frustrated. I'm, I'm getting frustrated. I feel, I say to the four-year-old, my, my angry balloon is getting bigger. 
<laughs> I have to vocalize it. Yeah, my angry balloon's getting bigger and she she uses it as well. But we try to like suppress, 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 suppress. And then we have two minutes to get out of the door. And it's like, of course you can't access that because you ignored so many moments leading up to this where you could have, especially if you have a partner in the house, verbalize it, say something, mm-hmm. say something out loud. And I think that it's good for our kids to recognize and to see that that is how we regulate as well. And I think that there's something about the that name it to tame it thing, where when we are able to say, this is what's happening, this is what's going on, it's not as, it doesn't have as much power or control over us. So I talk to myself so much in front of my kids before it even gets to that point. Like if we're at the 30 minute mark and I'm like, man, okay, so I... I scrolled on Instagram too long. We still got 30 minutes. All right. Now we're at the 15 minute mark. Okay. Now I'm really getting frustrated. So we need, let's work together because y'all know what happens at five minutes and I don't want five minutes to come. So what do you need from me? Like I vocalize and I verbalize and I communicate because I know that when we have one minute left and I look at you and you don't have any pants on, it's going to be so much harder for me. So I'm, I really am a firm believer in being okay with what is and addressing it. And saying it like it is, saying what is, what's up for you? I agree. And I'm not a gentle person. And so I think that's why I've been kind of deterred by the concept of gentle parenting, even though I think conceptually, I actually am doing a ton of the things that you're mentioning. I have been very aware and adamant about like, for instance, trying to not speak to Liam in a baby voice. And trying to just speak to him as if he's a human because he is and having conversations with him. And like when I take him on walks, I swear people think I'm crazy because I have him in the stroller and I'm talking to him. I'm like, okay, see that bar over there? That's where mommy went for this. And oh, I love that restaurant. They have the best burger, blah, blah, blah. And people are staring at me like, who is this lady talking to? Because (laughs) she's losing her marble. I love that. I feel, A, it makes me feel less – like I'm losing my mind because if I go in that voice 24-7, I, I just can't take it. It's like nails on a chalkboard for me. But B, I do think that I'm hoping he will be more vocal and emotionally intelligent by the way that I'm speaking through my emotions mm-hmm. with him and talking him through things and just hopefully making him more aware. Do you feel your children – and we don't have to dive into any like specifics about your kids, but do you feel they have a higher emotional intelligence based on the parenting style you've adapted? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, same thing. I mean, I, I'm very animated, so I still do baby voices, but I'm very intentional and have been since they were young about communication. Communication to me is the big piece of the puzzle that so many of us are missing in our parenting. So kudos to you for being intentional about that because it's such a major thing, but yeah, my four-year-old can articulate her needs like so easily. Like she can articulate in the moment if she's having a tantrum and I'm like, I know, I know you're mad. She'll be like, don't say, I know that's not helping. Like she can say that to me. (laughs) (laughs) Don't say I know. Right. And the nine-year-old, I mean, it's just, she's extremely emotionally intelligent and we have very deep conversations and she can say no thank you to things and she can set boundaries. Um, And I do believe that that is because I've been intentional about communicating. And let me just say this. If you, Another reason why this is so easy for me, any habit that you're trying to build, if you don't have accountability, 
it's going to be so much harder. And because I've been intentional about this for so long, my children use the way that I hold them accountable. They use it on me. And so I have these tiny little people holding me accountable in a respectful way. And it's, oh my God, there's nothing like a nine-year-old saying to you, like, I didn't appreciate the way that you said that to me. Oh my God, that would break me. Ah! (laughs) Or or she's always like, she's like, quick question. She says that every day. Quick question. Um, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but is there a different way that you could blank? And I'm just like, dang, yeah. And it makes me, honestly, I'm human. It's so much easier to apologize to my kid when she's holding me accountable in the way that I do. So communication is everything. Please teach your kids how you want them to communicate with you. And it'll be easier to communicate with them. If you're yelling, if you're powering over them, if you're teaching them to disrespect boundaries and communication, they're going to do it to you. And it's going to be so, I can't imagine I can't imagine if every single day my kid talked to me like disrespectfully all day long. Eventually, I probably would be like, all right, you know what? Like, (laughs) I would be ready to yell, but they learn it from us. So it's hard. It is hard. I mean, that was my childhood. There were no boundaries. Like, nothing was off limits. I spoke to my mom. When I think back about, like, the arguments (sighs) we would get in, the things I would say, my tone of voice, I mean – it was like the gloves Ugh. would come off and, and still, I mean, still. And yeah, it wasn't healthy. I don't, I mean, healthy, I don't know if that's the right word, but I, I don't think it was useful Productive. or it got to any point we were trying to get at. It yeah, was just exactly. ugly. Yeah, I, I had similar experiences. I think back to stuff and I'm like, you did not say that. You did not say that. Yeah. 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 I've said some, I've so, said the things. Yeah. I've, I've said all the things. <laughs> all the things. Um, One of your TikToks really interests me. And I think a lot of people about not bribing, but instead of doing chores, you, well, I guess let's instead go back. What are you trying to instill with your kids when it comes to the relationship with finances and money? And how are you going about that? Absolutely. So a thousand percent abundance mindset. That's just it. Like no lack, no scarcity. And we are intentional and conscious about our money. But I grew up in a very like two completely different spectrums when it comes to money. And so I want it to be balanced, but I want my kids to feel like they can do, especially the young girls, the young black girls. I want them to grow up feeling like I can do whatever I want to do. If I want to make money, I can make money. If I want to invest, if I want to save, I can do all the things with money and I'm not limited for my gender or my race or anything like that. Um, And so my kids are, well, the nine-year-old, she's very business-minded. She's very much entrepreneur-minded, just like myself. And so that's kind of what led us into the TikTok video that you were talking about. So how can you explain that? Can you dive into the TikTok video? And I'll put it in the links yeah. in the show notes for those interested. But like what tactical things are you doing when it comes to helping your children form this relationship with finances? Because I Absolutely. have a very 
my relationship with finances has been deeply impacted from when I was a kid and not in any way that my parents were doing anything negative by any means. Like in their mind, they were just providing for their children, but it was abundance to a certain extent where I feel like it never was something I was paying attention to or being Uh, mindful of or, um, you know, working for. And it was kind of like, oh, you have a problem. Well, let's fix it with this instead Mm -hmm. of working through it a different way. Gotcha. So I don't really believe in rewards so much to the point that even in homeschool, we don't do grades. We don't do like tests. Like I'm so anti rewarding you for your effort. (laughs) So this is kind of contradictory to that in a sense, but the effort was already there. She's already obsessed with gymnastics. She already had the discipline um, for gymnastics. And so I was like, okay, we need something. Like I want to begin to show you the value of money and show you the value of earning money, but I don't want to do it with something that you hate doing. Cause that just, that just feels really not it for me. I don't do anything I don't want to do for money. So I don't want to attach it to something you don't want to do. So I was like, okay, I'll pay you um, for gymnastics. I'll pay you every time you go to practice. And it's such a, a loose structure in my house because I don't want her to associate her passion with money to the point where it's like she loses her passion for it and there's no intrinsic motivation for it. So I don't ever bring it up if she doesn't want to go to practice. I'm not like, you're not going to get paid or I don't ever bring it up. I literally just transfer it to her account if she goes. And if she doesn't go, I don't transfer it. And that's pretty much it. Um, But now she's been able to save and now she uses the early bird app to invest some of her money. And she just, yeah. Early bird. There's a link in my bio, y'all. Sign up for early bird. It's amazing. It's awesome. Um, No, didn't mean to plug, but she is investing her money and she can save it. And now she um, started selling her paintings. And so she has her own money to go buy supplies. And we're talking about pricing. And she got a loan from me the other day. We talked about her paying it back and stuff. So I'm very intentional about sowing those seeds. But at the same time, it has to be fun. It can't, if it's not fun, I don't want to do it. I don't want to teach it if I can't find it a fun way to do it because she's, she's freaking nine. Like it can't be, you didn't go to practice. You're not getting paid today. Like anytime she doesn't want to do something, I have, I'm so much more creative when it comes to motivation. I don't have to use a bribe or a reward. So you mentioned that you don't like to reward based on effort. Can you dive into that? Because I – go ahead. Why and then – like why you don't and then also what you mean by that. Like what then are you rewarding? Gotcha. So I'm very like – I'm the the excited about nothing parent. That is me. (laughs) And so, yeah, it's just like, oh, my God. Like we do half birthdays. Like I'm that parent. So I don't want y'all to think that like I'm like, nope, I don't celebrate y'all. But I do believe and there's – uh, psychology and research to support that if a child does not have, has too many extrinsic motivations, that their intrinsic motivation will begin to die. And so I'm very intentional about, we're just doing this for the love of this. We're doing this because the reward is your growth. And that comes with school, that comes with um, anything that they're trying, anything that they're struggling to do, because I don't want them to get their validation from anything outside of themselves when it comes to something that they're struggling with or a challenge. So 
personally, I feel like rewards kind of are the other side of punishments. It's like, I'm not doing this because I don't want something bad to happen. The opposite of that is I'm going to do this because just because I want something good to happen to me as opposed to just for the feeling of it. So this really interests me because I'm thinking, for instance, I had this like epiphany. I don't know. It's not an epiphany, but I started to realize that a lot of the things we, I guess, force our children to mm-hmm. do or push them in the direction of are because we're so self-conscious of the reflection on us mm-hmm. or we want them to do a certain thing based on our own selves. And I can see this a lot when I look at my relationship with my mom, like we are very similar people. And this kind of came up when I was older, when I was leaving my job in the corporate world, she was against it. And she kept saying, well, don't you want to wait until you get promoted to VP? And I turned to her and I said, I don't give a shit about being a VP. Like literally do not care. Why is that such a thing for you? And Mm -hmm. it's because she left the corporate world before she got like her one final last promotion to MD. And she still holds that grudge and she was projecting it onto me. And I think so much of parenting is projection in a not great way. And that's what definitely scares me a bit. But I have – you know, when you're saying this, I go immediately to, okay, I sports were a huge part of my life. They were a huge part of my husband's life. Obviously, I would love our son to be interested in sports. Um, but how do we – I don't want to push him to do things he doesn't mm-hmm. want to do. But what if he just likes to sit in his room all day long and play a video game? I'm just giving this as an example because Joe, my husband, is constantly like, all these kids, all they do is they're on their phone. They're playing video games. Like, back in my day – like, okay, boomer. He's like, back in my day, they, we, we used to play all the – like, wiffle ball and football and kickball in our cul-de-sac. And now no one's playing – whenever we go visit his parents, he's like, where are all the kids playing sports? So how do you direct a child Mm. or do you, I don't know, like say the kids just in the basement playing video games all day. I can't imagine that's like healthy for a child to be doing. Like how do you direct them elsewhere? So first of all, I think that it starts with connection. Like you can suggest anything. And if your kid just does not value your opinion, then it's just, (laughs) it's not going to get anywhere. So you got to be respectful. You have to respect them. You have, that has to be the foundation. Okay. Your needs matter. My needs matter. Your desires matter. My desires matter. And that has to be the foundation first. I would focus on that first because otherwise they're probably going to do the opposite of what you ask them to do. Um, but there is a concept in unschooling, which is um, basically letting your children be free. We, unschooling is a whole nother topic, but Um, there's a, a tenant in unschooling and it's called strewing. And basically that is just lightly placing your, um, things in front of your child as often as possible, just so that it can spark inspiration. So that might be today we're going to the museum. That might be, um, today we're going to do this craft or we're watching this on TV, just very lightly, constantly putting things in front of your child, so that that can spark inspiration for them. So if you don't feel like, uh, I should force things, that is a way to do that. And then if 
inspiration sparks, that's when you like, okay, let's rev it up. Let's get all the resources. Let's do all the things and give them, um, you know, something that's in alignment with their passions and their desires. But I, I don't force or I don't push. But again, I'm the coach. And that took me a while to realize as well as like, no, she's nine. She's not going to want to do this sometimes. Don't give in. <laughs> don't give in. And um, that can be difficult. But for me, it comes down to knowing what your values are and knowing what your child's values are and then using that to motivate them when they're not feeling like doing it. So you don't have to do what I want you to do, but you kind of do have to do what you want to do. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. you committed to this. And so I got you. I'm here. We're going to figure this out together. But I always say this to my nine year old. I'm not going to let you quit on yourself. Like you know how good you feel when you complete something and you keep your word to yourself. How can I help you do that right now? That way it's not, you're not mad at me. I'm not forcing you. It's me and you against the problem of no motivation right now. And I think right there, that language is so different of like, how can I help you get through this instead of you have to finish this, which I think is what a lot of us were told as kids. And I think also, I mean, on this topic, it's hard because naturally take I don't know football for example like my husband's a big Eagles fan of course on Sundays he's gonna want to like watch the Eagles game with Liam and do something instead of going to a museum to learn about science so like right off the bat other things are being put in front of Liam Mm -hmm. more frequently based on our interests it's all just I mean it really interests me so much when I think about it and like why I do certain things based on the way I was raised and the interests yeah. my parents had and why it is an interest for me. It fascinates me. How do you handle – this is something I get asked a lot when it comes to baby voice or honestly, so I'm raising a white male and I'm trying desperately to make sure that he is not – a part of the toxic masculinity that we're seeing in today's world. And it's not easy if I'm being honest, because so much is just built into us, like even terms Mm -hmm. that we're saying. And Mm -hmm. I posted this story on my Instagram the other day where my mom was changing his diaper and I was in the other room and he was crying about something. And I heard her be like, it's okay, Leah, man up. And I walked into the room and I said, excuse me, Cynthia, did you just say man up? And she's like, yes. And I don't know why. I'm really sorry. We're done with that term. Um, Or like, don't cry. It's fine. Like, why are you mm-hmm. – like, big boys don't cry. All of those types of things I'm trying to relearn and take out of the vocabulary. And I feel my husband and I are doing a very good job, but it's really difficult – with other people who are helping with your child, whether it's a babysitter or a grandparent or an aunt or uncle, or if if you're not with your partner, them. So how do you verbalize to other people, family members, caregivers, that like this is the style of parenting you're trying to lean into and help them continue it? Mm. So it goes back to what I was saying in the beginning, um, that balance between creating the environment, security, and then the perspective (laughs) and the story that we teach our kids. Um, That's a lot more difficult to do when they're younger. 
And so as intentional as you can be about their environment when they are tiny, that's not always going to be perfect. You know, we we need help and resources and babysitters and stuff like that. But as intentional as you can be setting as many boundaries as you can, that's the best that you can do when they're small because they don't have the reasoning for you to sit down and explain to them that people's opinions are different, that, you know, mamaw came from another time. Like they're not going to get that. And so controlling the environment as much as you can. But then when they get older, and, you know, you're at Thanksgiving dinner or whatever, and Mamma says something, you kind of got to weigh whether or not this is something that needs to be addressed. Um, is this something that I need to address with my child or is this something that I need to address with them? And in both cases, I think that empathy is important. I think that intentional communication is important. And um, I feel like consequences are also important when boundaries are not respected um, to whatever extent you can set a consequence with an adult. But if it's something that you genuinely value and you're rooted in that value and somebody that loves you and cares for you can't respect it, even when you've expressed it empathetically, like, okay, for instance, very similar on the opposite spectrum, my four-year-old, I did not want her to get her ears pierced. I'm just like, why am I mutilating your body? You can choose that. I don't want to do it. I did that with my oldest. I did not want to do it. And every time I would come around, my grandmother, God bless her heart, she's the sweetest, sweetest little thing. But she would just be like, she would just make comments like, she's a girl. Or like, if she wore a dress, she would be like, oh my gosh, she looks like a girl. And she would say things like that. And so I would gently say like, grandma, I get it. I I get it. I completely understand that. Like, it doesn't, I don't like that kind of language. Like we don't use that kind of language. She's a girl. I could talk to my grandma straight up. So I'm like, she has a vagina. She had one yesterday. She has one. She had one yesterday with her sweatpants on. She has one today. Biologically, she's a girl. Can we just leave it at that? Why are we even having this conversation right now? (laughs) And I was empathetic, I understood, and I expressed my boundary, and she doesn't do it anymore. And if she does, we go right back to that. But she's conscious of it. I'm not trying to teach my grandma how to be. I'm just trying to teach her how to be around me. And I think that that's where we get good confused. Difference. Yeah, it's a big difference. I don't, you know, we try to correct people and you shouldn't be this way. And this, I'm not trying to teach you anything. I'm not trying to teach you about gender norms and mass, toxic mass. I'm trying to teach you how to be around me and my kids because you love me. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's all I can do right now because you are 70 some years old. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that generation is a whole other ballgame. A whole other. <laughs> oh, Lord. But even just There's people in general, that's how yeah. boundaries work. Mm-hmm. I don't know what works in another conversation for you and somebody else. I'm telling you how you can be around me and my kids. And if you can't be that way, then I have to set boundaries because it's us that I'm thinking about right now. That's fair. Regarding discipline, what would happen, like what is the correct way to handle a situation where you are maybe, you know, you've set the foundation for this type of parenting style that you're doing the like, okay, how can I help you get your shoes on? Or let's play to the car. But it's just not – or the kid, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like something that would like instill most parents to discipline. The kid does Mm -hmm. something that 
maybe you I honestly I'm like I have a newborn so he's not doing anything that's they like, hit they bite yeah, okay. sometimes they throw things to that instead of what we've kind of been shown and taught for so long of the yelling and the you're grounded type talk okay so when a child is misbehaving especially if it's explosive, like hitting or yelling or throwing things, they are not at all in the rational part of their brain. So anything that we do to rationalize, whether that's consequences, punishments, lecturing, is literally not getting anywhere. And so for some kids, that means they're just going to stay exactly where they are, whatever level they're at. For other kids, that means that they're going to escalate. We're ignoring the emotional need, and that's where they're at right now. That's exactly where they are. They're in the emotional part of their uh, their brain. So I always say you got to go to the room, to the emotional room with them. Meet them where they're at first. You have to. It's so hard because we're fixers, and we want to fix everything, and we just want to problem solve right away. Like, we just want this moment to not be. But the more that we push against it, the harder it gets. um, I'm actually making a video on this and I use the analogy that I don't care how eloquently you put something, how eloquently you explain something to your child. If they're not in the room, they're not going to hear you. And that's what's going on. We're in the logical room. They're in the emotional room. Go over there. Like stop yelling, go in the emotional room with them and calm that first. And so when you're, when a toddler is hitting, that's going to look completely different for every kid. My oldest, when she's in the, ah, I hate you, mom, or you're the worst. Like, I'm like, Ooh, I'm going to fix this right now. I want to fix this. This is not okay. This is not respectful. I want to do all of that. She needs me to be gentle with her emotions. My four-year-old needs me to be nothing. (laughs) My four-year-old needs me to just sit there and ride the wave with her. And literally it is over in like 30 seconds. But if I try to do the, I told you, if I try to say, I know, I hear you. I understand you're, you're so mad right now. I do all that escalates and it escalates and it escalates because I'm not meeting her need as an individual. Um, And so in those moments, start with the emotional need. And then I love a recap. I love a revisit. I love coming back to it. Discipline only works when you're not triggered and when your child is not triggered. That's it. It's very true. And I even, I mean, literally my husband and I were just having this conversation where we were like, we need to have these conversations when we're not in the thick of it. Mm -hmm. So we all inherently know that. Like, I'm not going to express my emotions the best when I'm anxious, frustrated, angry at in that exact moment when he does something that bothers me. I need to take a step back, relax, and then recap and revisit and talk through it. And so I So say that. Easy. How would you say yeah, that then? I do. Yeah. Oh, I did last night. I was like, I think because parenting has been hard, not gonna lie. Wow. And I it said is. to him last night that I was like, I feel like in the moment I snap. And that's not mm-hmm. helpful for us. But then I think if I hold it in, we aren't making the time to revisit that. So then it's festering. And then one small thing breaks the camel's back when it doesn't need to. So I propose the idea of like each end of day doing a kind of recap. Like, how did you feel today? Was there anything I did that frustrated you or hurt your feelings or you wish I had handled differently? Um, because that way we're addressing things from that day. They're not lingering, but we're not Mm -hmm. addressing them in the moment when we're heated. Yeah. 
Yeah, I love so that. We'll see how this I, goes. <laughs> that's one good thing I got from from my childhood. We had family meetings. <laughs> we had family meetings frequently, um, and even just in the moment, so that so much time doesn't necessarily go by. I would artic. I I do articulate that. You know what? I'm having a hard time with my feelings right now. I'm going to take a second because I don't want to say anything disrespectful. Mm-hmm. Or the opposite side of that is, okay, you get out everything that you need to say. I'm not going to respond because I want you to have the floor to say everything you need to say, even if it's disrespectful, even if it's flagrant, even if it's just like stinging to hear. I know she's in the emotional part of her brain. And maybe I don't have the capacity to come to the emotions with her and be gentle because I'm feeling verbally abused. <laughs> so I'm just yeah. going to sit and let, let you get your storm because it's going to diffuse. The more that I push against it, it's going to get bigger. So I'm gonna just let you get it out. And then I'm going to say to you, okay, that was a lot, but I hear you. I'm not going to say anything disrespectful. And when you're ready to talk about it, the way that we typically talk to each other, let me know. Cause I want to figure this out. That's it. Oh, wow. And then at that moment she comes back and it's like, okay, well I didn't mean that, but what I was trying to say was, and I'm like, it's still, you still seem like you, you know, you're a little riled up. I can absolutely get you a moment. Do you need a space break? Is that what you need? Do you need some space from me? Because I feel like I'm, I've am i really gotten you to a point where you're not tipi- speaking how we typically speak to each other. Do you still need some time? And she'll take a deep breath and she's like, okay, this is what I'm trying to say. I'm like, okay, cool. Let's talk about it now. But we get triggered too. And it's not fun to get hit by a four-year-old. It's not fun to hear an eight-year-old say that you're the worst mom ever after you just bought them a tablet or something. Like it's not fun and you don't have to be accessible emotionally. Sometimes I just let her get the wave out. And in my head, I'm like, I'm singing Whitney Houston. Or I'm like, listen, Lord, please don't let me haul off and snap on this child. Like, I'm talking to myself. And I let her get it out. And then I'll check in. No, I'm still not good. Okay. Like, I have on invisible headphones. Because I know if I try to teach correct anything in that moment, it's just going to get worse. And the more she gets worse, the worse I'm going to get. And that's not cute. So. <laughs> it's true. It ain't like two volcanoes just exactly of each other. Yeah. yeah. This was so informative and so helpful. I am really just appreciative for people like you who are doing this work and sharing all of it so publicly so that we can all learn. For everyone who's listening who wants more of you and more advice and tactical pieces of like learning lessons, where is the best place to follow you? Yeah, just actually, if you go to Destiny Ann, D-E-S-T-I-N-I, that's an I, Destiny Ann, A-N-N.com. Um, I have all of my social links up there. I have my online community and all that stuff. That's the, the best. That's the hub. <laughs> Perfect. Everything will be in the show notes. And thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Hi, friends. I hope you enjoyed that interview. I really found it insightful. Also, just because it's something I'm trying to instill in like our parenting. Um, I'm recording this closing portion on it's Wednesday and I'm doing it in the morning. Usually I do it after therapy and that like sparks all the topics I want to talk about. But honestly, I have a very packed day today, so I don't have time to do it after therapy. So it's like 9am right now and we're doing it together. Um, 
If you're listening to this live on Friday, that means I'm hopefully in Arizona. Um, If all things go according to plan, Joe and I are heading out to Scottsdale to spend some time with my two best friends from high school and their partners. And I've talked about this one couple so many times because they just keep coming up. But Lizzie has been one of my best friends in second grade, and she met her now boyfriend, Garrett at our wedding, who is Joe's college roommate of four years. They met as bridesmaids and groomsmen at our wedding, hit it off, you know, hooked up, whatever, and then ended up dating long distance because he lives in Arizona. And then she just moved out to Arizona and it just makes me so happy. So anyway, we are all going out to visit them and just have a fun friend-filled weekend. Adults only. Liam will not be joining us. Um, My parents and Joe's parents are kind of like rotating, taking care of him in the apartment. So I'm really excited to honestly just like have some fun time. But also I'm I'm kind of stressed right now as I record this because I'm really attached to Liam right now. Like I'm in the thick of I'm so obsessed with you. I don't know what to do about it. And I just feel like I'm going to miss him so much. And I'm thinking about the other two times that like I went away and left him. One was that mom's trip and that like obviously I missed him. But honestly, I was so fucking burnt out and like not in the best place that I really just needed a break. And those two days were like the most reviving, just energizing, but also relaxing thing I could have ever hoped for. And I wasn't all consumed by missing him, honestly, not in like a bad way. I just needed some time to myself. And then when Joe and I went on our baby moon, obviously it was really fun. But at the same time, like when you spend so much time with your partner on a trip and like we weren't doing activities really, like there were times where we would just be hanging out and I'm like, okay, wait, I really miss Liam. Like I don't, I feel uncomfortable how much I miss him. And that's what I'm worried about. But I also feel like on this trip, we'll be spending time with other people. We'll be busy. Like, I'm just hoping. I just really want to enjoy the time. But I am kind of nervous going into it because I am, like, utterly obsessed with him. And he's just all-consuming of everything for me. I can't explain it. It's honestly like a love of – I mean, it's 100% like a love I've never felt before. But it almost – it's uncomfortable because I've never felt so out of control And also so vulnerable because I feel as if my heart is now outside of my body and that really scares me, but it's also so wonderful and fulfilling and it's, it's, I've never felt these emotions and I honestly think I'm in a very good place right now where I feel very happy and loved and in love and supported and I posted about this in my feed, but I almost feel like there's been this metamorphosis of myself and I've talked about this a lot about how you know you evolve and you're really I believe a new person as a mom it completely cracks you open and when the pieces are glued back together it's almost a different form um, both physically and mentally and emotionally and everything And I really feel like a different person. And I always said like, oh, I felt like a different person after my accident. And I did. That was one version of a metamorphosis. But I also think I'm having another version right now. And I'm sure there will be more to come throughout the rest of my life. Um, 
but it, it's surprising because it's happening in ways that aren't only just focused on Liam. It's it's honestly happening in more ways than just him. Obviously, there's the evolvement of me as a mother with him and just like I've mentioned, the all-consuming obsession, but also just the priorities are different. Things that I once found enjoyable maybe aren't as enjoyable because it's all being compared to spending time with him. And now there's a completely different like bar that has to be met for me to be interested in something because there's a very high bar now that he set because spending time with him is fucking awesome. And that's the obvious change, but then it's also shifted into these other aspects of my life. And one that's very surprising to me is my newfound interest or maybe just enjoyment or having fun with like getting dressed and putting on makeup and doing things. And I think it stemmed from me feeling like I wanted to be more than, not more than, but I wanted to be someone who also would be in something that wasn't covered in spit up and sweatpants and like hadn't showered in three days. I wanted to find this version of myself that could live outside these walls of the apartment and interact with other humans and be a part of the quote unquote real world. And with that, I think the first step in me getting there was, okay, let's get dressed. Let's like put some effort into just like, being this version of ourselves to exit the apartment. And I'm not saying you have to do any of these things. I still leave the apartment, obviously, like without a makeup on my face, my hair is a mess and I'm in sweatpants. Like that's me 90%. But I'm also trying out this new 10% of like, st- I don't know. Not I hate the word presentable because I always find myself presentable and I don't think you should be doing this for anyone else. It's more just me experimenting and having fun and my therapist always says like I want to always try on other aspects of people's lives because I'm interested and oh like what would that feel like and it's almost like that where I've been interested by other people and their ability to find themselves in ways of fashion or whatever it might be and me being like what would that feel like what would it feel like to wear a dress and heels and have makeup on and not be in sweatpants and sneakers which is my typical go-to and I've been trying it on and it's fun do I want it to be my everyday no I'm still comfortable in sweatpants I still feel just as confident in sweatpants and sneakers But it's also a fun new version of me that I'm trying on. And I know this sounds confusing because to some people it's like, what are you talking about? You're getting dressed? Like, okay. But it is a big evolvement for me. And I I really want to try and continue to get to the bottom of it and just unpack it more because I do think there's something there. So stay tuned. This topic will be continued. But within this metamorphosis, I also find that my hobbies have changed, my interests have changed, my relationships have changed, whether it be with Joe, with my siblings, with my mom, with my dad, with my friends. Like There is such this evolvement of character and life as a parent, and I'm only now starting to really come to terms with it and also like accept it because I think it felt so overwhelming when I was underwater in the beginning stages of postpartum but now it's exciting and even the way I approach work it's all changing and I've finally for the first time and maybe this is like what you would consider not being depressed I don't know but I'm excited for the future instead of overwhelmed and anxious by it, it sounds so sad to say but I feel like 
for majority of my life, I've been very anxious and afraid of the future, um, which is probably something to do with my mental health. But I am really excited for the future. And I do think great things are to come. And I talked about this in a post, but like, you know, the Forbes 30 under 30 is the perfect example of that. In the past, I've always been so comparative and down on myself when that list comes out and my mind immediately goes to you're a failure look at all these amazing things people are doing like you are so less than god my brain is so dark but that's the honest truth and then I get so upset with myself and I feel like nothing I do is good enough and this is like clearly someone who has been the result of you have to be the best ingrained in their brain since a very young age and is still trying to unlearn that but then I came to the terms with like why the fuck do I want to peak now like that would be so not fun if I peaked right now at 30 are you kidding I want to I just want to continue to peak I don't want to peak I want to continue to grow and continue to evolve and continue to do great shit and continue to accomplish things and I also don't want to be the best. And that's what I'm really coming to terms with. The best is like exhausting. And I don't think I want to be the best. It's also like not fun to be the best because you're also then kind of perfect and being perfect as someone who tried so hard to be perfect and from the outside was perfect for a while. It's really fucking tiring and not enjoyable. And I would love to just be like good, you know, like why can't we all just accept good and not need to be the best and maybe there are people out there that do and that's great and I'm jealous of you and that's what I'm working towards just being good you know like doing what's asked of me succeeding being happy but like all these things do not need to be the marker of success for me because if I'm the best in whatever I want to do I also feel like I'm then not getting that time with my family and I don't know, based on like what I've seen from personal experience, but also just from other people's experiences, the people who are the best usually are missing out on some other aspect of their life. And this is a conversation Joe and I have all the time. I did not think I was fucking going to go here. I really just sit with this microphone and I ramble and it's very cathartic. Everyone should just start talking to themselves and see where they go. I guess that's therapy. Um, But I do, Joe and I have this conversation a lot about, you know, what we want our future to look like and what success does look like for us and work-life balance and all of that. And that's a lot of where this comes from is me unlearning a lot of what I think was ingrained in me as a kid and Joe helping me through that of like being the best comes with consequences and like maybe it's not something we want. So that's my therapy for the day. That was very enjoyable. Hi, Joseph. I hope you guys, I hope this resonated with someone out there. Let me know. Send me a DM. I'm curious your guys' thoughts. But here's to all of us just being good, maybe not having to be the best. I love you. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Thank you, as always, to listening. Thank you guys so much for listening to the show. I love doing this more than anything in the world. If you could be so kind as to rate and or review the show, share a screenshot on your Instagram story, whatever you feel like doing to show some love, I would really appreciate it. Obviously follow at Pod on Instagram and me at Freckled Foodie for more content. Thank you for being a part of the FF fam and I hope you have a wonderful day.